You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. What's up, Live Different Podcast listeners? You are about to hear an awesome episode with Dr. Marisa Snyder. She is an amazing natural health practitioner. And if that is your thing or you are interested in finding out more about natural health and wellness and practicing yoga, meditation, spending time in nature, on an eco-lodge, eating healthy organic foods grown literally from the farm where we are going to stay on our yoga retreat this end of April, the 24th through the 29th, 2019. I would love for you to join me down there in Costa Rica. It is going to be an amazing experience. If you are interested, send me a message, a direct message on Instagram, Matt Wilson TV. I would love to hear from you. You can always check out our website under 30experiences.com and scroll down to yoga in Costa Rica. But it would be an honor to spend time with you, build our community and hang out. We have amazing yoga teacher, Luz Garcia, my girlfriend, and would love to tell you more. So let me know. Hit me up. Pura vida. Muchas gracias. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today we have Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I am very excited to talk to her because her specialty is getting people to live their best life through plant-based whole food nutrition, essential oils, easy to follow habits, and mood boosting remedies, which sounds exactly like the type of things we like to discover here on the Live Different podcast. And specifically, she has an interesting new book out or coming out, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution, about reclaiming your energy and focus and losing weight naturally. So I'm excited to dive into these these things, but also she has five other books. So there will be no shortage of things to talk about today. So without further ado, Marisa, welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. You are very welcome. It sounds like you have been very busy. Like I mentioned, you have six books out, but also a lot of podcast episodes. It sounds like you have close to 50 episodes out on Essentially You, your podcast, and you just raised a quarter million dollars for a philanthropic cause. Can you start us off there? That sounds amazing. Absolutely. So it's interesting. You know, ask me a couple of years ago, and I would have thought I needed to be very rich and I needed to have a lot of influence in order to raise money for a cause. Now, I've raised a little bit of money before, like $5,000 or $10,000. And even that is a big deal, right? Anytime we're able to give to a cause that feels really connected to us. I mean, there's when you're able to serve people in the things that really light you up, I feel like that is the ultimate goal, the ultimate, you know, it's really difficult to feel sad or to feel depressed or feel kind of frustrated with life when you are doing good for others. Like if you're ever in a funk, go out and help somebody else in need, right? And there's so many ways to do that. Well, I there was an organization that I wanted to raise money for. It's called Days for Girls. And Days for Girls is all about helping to give women around the world. It's actually about 130 women and girls around the world in mostly developing countries who do not have access to reproductive healthcare, do not have access to education around reproductive healthcare, but most importantly, do not have menstrual supplies. And so they don't have a way of managing their period every single month. 
And what happens in a lot of these countries is these girls are pulled out of school, they're pulled out of their education, they're pulled out of work, and for those seven days out of the month, they have no way of managing this. They're stuck using mattress stuffing, cow dung, they're stuck with feathers, cardboard boxes that they have to sit on. I mean, it's it's really a, just a horrible situation. It's I think it's a human right, it's rights issue, it's a human dignity issue, and you're really setting these girls up for failure because they're not able to get the right kind of education. And I had no idea that we're talking about 130 million girls that are struggling with what is a normal process. I think people forget that women make humans. That's what we do. (laughs) And that in order to make humans, we got to have that normal process. Right. And so, you know, we were able So I had a vision of raising $50,000 through a summit. So I did an essential oil hormone summit because I knew that there were a lot of women here in in not in industrialized countries like America, Canada, Europe, where we're still struggling with our reproductive health, where we're not listened to, we're kind of being ignored. So I thought, okay, well, what about, what about this? What if we I bring together a lot of amazing experts? We educate on these areas of expertise, which women just are dying for this information. And by educating them, and if they decide that they want to purchase the, you know, the summit works, if they want to purchase the library of interviews, that that money or the majority of that money goes to this other cause. So not only were they getting educated and empowering themselves to solve some of their hormone issues or whatever else they're dealing with, but that by doing that, by enabling them through education, we then donated that money over to this cause. And oh my goodness, we had almost 50,000 people attend. We had a lot of people buying the summit and we were able were able to donate all this money to this organization. There's a couple other organizations as well, but that was mainly the big one. And most of the organizations that are that we donated to are connected to this organization. And so I decided on this idea. I had this harebrained idea. In in uh, end of June, I executed in July. We recorded in August. We started marketing in September. We went live in October and we ended last week. And so we're just kind of we're just kind of reeling from all of the wins from this event. Wow. It sounds like yeah, I don't even know where to where to begin a- after that. How did you select that organization to work with? I'm curious. Um, that's a great question. So I, I, you know, I talk a lot about essential oils. I'm an essential oil hormone guru, but I do work with a company so who has oils. And part of their philanthropic department is they had found this foundation. And so I had learned about this foundation. Like what's so great about it is we are a part, so many of the advocates or the distributors of the company actually go to Nepal and Africa and Guatemala and they build these, they called, um, Days for Girls kits, these discreet little kits that, because again, it's also, it's a societal issue as well, right? These girls aren't, you know, they're, they need to be discreet about their period so that they're not pulled out of school. And so these, these little packages, they're super discreet. They last up to two or three years. So I've helped to sew these packages. I haven't actually been to Nepal or Africa yet, but I have a lot of friends who have, who have given out these design, um, these Days for Girls kits and who've actually educated these girls on their their cycle, on their menstrual cycle. And so this company is very involved with this organization, although the organization stands alone. And it just felt like for this particular event, it just felt like the right cause to support. Okay, that's that's really interesting. And okay, so 
I'm sure people are wondering out there right now, at the core of this, how do essential oils actually balance your hormones? I mean, that that sounds incredible. I've heard of this concept before. And I know, for example, uh, rosemary, right? Rosemary is supposed to have uh, good nootropica effects and uh, be able to turn on your brain to function better. Or lavender has a soothing effect. But to actually change your hormones. I'm very curious. Tell me more. So essential oils, the one thing I do want to say uh, is that essential oils are not uh, hormones. You know, they're, they're powerful chemical constituents. These beautiful, volatile chemical constituents are adaptogenic. They're antioxidants. There's a lot of ways that they work in our bodies, but they don't necessarily, they're not estrogen, they're not progesterone, they're not testosterone, but they have a way of really supporting our hormones, so balancing our hormones in a lot of different ways. One of the ways is where our hormone master center is. It's right here in the limbic brain. And the use of aromatherapy, like if I were to grab an oil like peppermint or something like that, and the use of aromatherapy by just breathing an oil like peppermint in, we know that it's going to go straight into the olfactory center, the olfactory nerve, and, and that olfactory bulb has glial cells. And in those glial cells, they're going to connect into those receptor sites, head straight into the limbic brain. And in the limbic brain is our hypothalamus. And so if we want to modulate cortisol levels, if we want to modulate stress, if we want to modulate mood, we really have the ability to do so. And then we do know that oils have a way of connecting into receptor sites as well inside of the body. So they can help support the balance of estrogen and testosterone and progesterone through through cell-to-cell communication, which is kind of what hormones are, right? They're communicating with cells, they're chemical messengers. So we're helping to modulate that conversation. Um, But a big part too for me is when I'm using essential oils or recommending them, so often the symptoms of hormones like brain fog, cravings, mood swings, PMS, cramps, you can actually use hormones to use target support for those particular issues. Like you mentioned rosemary, right? Rosemary, a citrus like wild orange and peppermint, all three of those oils have different chemical constituents, but they are all, you're right, they're all neuromodulators. They can all boost brain function by simply breathing them in. And actually I have a little brace or a little necklace. It's got lava beads on it. And on this little lava brace or lava necklace is rosemary, peppermint, and wild orange because I was writing up a podcast today, which takes me, I'm not going to lie, it takes me about four to five hours to write a podcast episode, my own personal ones. Wow. Yeah, uh, it's about seven pages long, well-researched, takes me a minute. You know, that's why I don't do my a lot of my own, only me, um, because it takes me so long to write them. So I always put those oils on here when I'm writing out an episode because they're constantly giving me that little extra boost of brain power. Wow. Okay. So I used to have a uh, mala that had 108, of course, of these lava beads on it and it, is it just because they're kind of porous and charcoal looking and they actually absorb the essential oils? Exactly. So it's because they're porous that they can absorb the oils and huh. then they're on you topically. So they're kind of getting into the skin if they're on the skin, but mainly they're just slowly aromatically having a profound effect on you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And you, people totally use mala necklaces or mala apparatus to actually put oils on all the time. And some malas are infused with essential oils out the gate. Okay. And and of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can actually see what we're talking about here. Or I have, right now I have, uh, this is rosewood, so it's not going to absorb, right? But at least the string does. Or if I wear any type of little bracelet, I mean, this thing, yeah, I'll put a li- in the morning, I'll put a little bit of lavender 
on there just to be able to say, okay, let me start my day in a relaxed state because that trigger, I I can tell the difference with lavender if I just, a lot of times I don't even put it anywhere. I just open the bottle and smell it. And I say, okay, that, and that is a signal for my body absolutely to relax. So that really works for me. But my question is, you have to be careful with some of these essential oils because some of them are very strong. When you put them on your skin, they can burn you. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tea tree oil is one that I use around the house, but it's very strong. So I have to cut it with water. I'm sure you, you might have the whole, your book, it might actually have all these recipes in there. You know, I do. And, okay. you know, and the beautiful thing is, so I'll, one, one of the things that you had just mentioned about lavender, which I love that you're using, but you, that's what's so great about it. Like starting the day with an oil, an oil that really gets your mindset, right? It could be lavender. It could be wild orange. It could be rosemary. It could be clary sage. There's so many gorgeous oils. You really got to just attune to the one that really connects with you, but you are changing neuropathways, right? You're signaling to the body hey, this is how we're going to design our day. This is how we're going to set the tone for our day. And that aromatic signal tells the brain, okay, hey, I know what it's, I know what we do when we smell this oil. Same thing for at nighttime. I don't know how many of your listeners are struggling with sleep, mental chatter, anxiousness, worry, or just having way too much on your plate, or maybe you're watching that last episode on Netflix. I don't know. There's all kinds of reasons why we struggle with our sleep. And, you know, our conscious mind honestly thinks we can kind of just get away with it, right? We are just like, oh, we can just get away with that. But man, you definitely pay that, pay the price the next day or maybe a couple days later down the road. And so I use, we use oils every night before going to bed. We have very specific ones that we use, lavender, cedarwood, clary sage, Roman chamomile. And our brain, since we've been doing this for so long, it is an automatic turn off like button. It's like shutting off the machine, shutting off the brain. And our body's like, oh, all right, well, it's time to go to bed. Like it's time to get into that mode of just kind of bringing things down. And so using, you can use oils to really cue your body, cue your nervous system for the type of response that you want. Um, so I, I wanted to just adjust that, address that because that's what you're doing every day. When you've got your lavender, you're telling your body like, Hey, this is how we're going to operate. We're not going to be a chicken with our head cut off. We're not going to be run around because I saw that to-do list last night and I woke up 30 minutes late. We're going to walk in with grace. And we know that when we're in a relaxed state, our brain functions so much better, right? I have a good friend of mine. Her name's Emily Fletcher. And she said, stress equals stupidity. Like your brain does not know what to do with stress. It doesn't re- it doesn't do well. It makes poor decisions, reactive decisions. So, but yes, about oils, about safety and usage, you always want to dilute them. One of the reasons why is because you get more benefit. You know, as I mentioned before, oils are volatile. And that means that they are being taken up by the environment, right? They go into gas state really easy. So let's say I had a headache or a, a neck pain or something like that. And I really wanted to make sure that that oil was going to work. Well, if I didn't want it to evaporate on the skin, which it will do very fast, I want it in a carrier oil, a fatty oil like coconut oil or grapeseed oil, so that it absorbs more steadily into the tissue. So one, you're going to get more bang for your buck that way. But two, yes, there are definitely oils and a lot of oils that are really potent. A neat essential oil like this one just out the bottle 
is about 50 to 70 times more potent than its herb counterpart. And so it will, it's, it's you know, peppermint's extremely cooling. So it's gonna be, it's gonna kind of feel like a burning, like a like an icy hot. But again, you wanna dilute that kind of oil so that it doesn't have that much of an impact. I recommend diluting all oils, um, especially a tea tree oil as well. It's great for skin. I actually use tea tree on my skin and tea tree in my hair today, but they were both diluted versions of that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I've put tea tree oil into like a nat- some type of natural shampoo. Mm-hmm. I know that's very helpful, like a tea tree oil in a little spray bottle of just water for around the house, kind of a, a disinfectant. And mm-hmm. what else? Oh, on oh. your skin. One time I got uh, real bad bee stings and I really do not like to you know, put alcohol on a wound or, you know, because you're really just killing more cells around that around that wound, but try to naturally disinfect. And that worked, uh, yeah, that worked really well for that. But I'm kind of a, actually my girlfriend is a aromatherapist, but I am very, I just don't know. I'm kind of your typical guy when it comes to- You're just to, doing you. You're yeah, <laughs> the essential oil. I'm like, I, I, would, I see that they have some uses. I know how to use them in a few ways, but- for example, if I wanted to sleep better, okay, I'm obsessed with sleep. I just got the new Aura Ring to, oh, very uh, cool. yeah, the the sleep tracker, so you can actually measure some of these micro things that you do before bed on how they actually affect your sleep. But okay, say I wanted to put a little lavender on my sleep mask or on my pillow. I don't know how to do that without staining everything. You know, I can I can picture me with a with a bottle of essential oil staining the pillow and my girlfriend being like, what the hell are you doing, dude? So keep me out of trouble here. Absolutely. I think the easiest way to use essential oils for mood, for sleep, um, for emotional well-being is a diffuser. You know, okay. we have a diffuser in our bedroom. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I'm actually in my bedroom right now, and I've got a diffuser right here. I was going to unplug it really quickly. Usually we have this by the bedside, but I moved it today. And here it is. This is just a normal diffuser. It runs for two hours, five hours, and 10. And the cool thing about it is it turns on and off, on and off. So it does, you're not constantly being inundated with oils. It kind of gives your olfactory senses a break and then comes back on. And so we always set this up a couple hours before bed. So even if we're not in the bedroom, and just to be clear, like we have we have blackout drapes. We don't have a TV in here. Electronics are not allowed in this room. Great. You know, I, I put the smack down on all of that. And so mainly oils and books is what's going down here. And so we we start running this. And the top five oils that I think are the most like relaxing kind of act as a sedative are going to be lavender, vetiver, clary sage, Roman chamomile, and cedarwood, and any of those combinations. Um, but I just recommend diffusing it somewhere in the room or near the bedside hour or so before going to bed. You can even let it run while you're heading to bed because it's, you know, again, it's not a high concentration in here. And then instead of just kind of throwing the oils on the pillows because <laughs> to make a mess. Right. As, I really don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> Um, just get a spray, a little spray. So my favorite spray blend is just, um, I have a two ounce spray bottle. Um, it can have witch hazel or water, totally up to you. And then it's just 10 drops of cedarwood and 10 drops of lavender. Those are both pretty inexpensive essential oils. Do you want to bump up the effect? I would do lavender and vetiver because vetiver is a natural sedative. And then just spritz your bedding, spritz your bedding, spritz your pillows, 
that's going to be a really great way. You can spritz your little eye mask. Sure. If you're not worried. Yeah. So those, that would be what I would do. And then apply the oils. Like if you have a little roller, you know, I always have little makeup rollers like this. And I just have a sleep blend made up and we do it on the back of our neck. We do it on our palms, take a couple of deep breaths. I mean, it just, I don't do every single one of these techniques every night. Usually the diffuser and the roller is usually what I do. And like I said, I've been doing it for so many years. You know, my my brain is basically programmed to know that that's when things shut down. Okay. And for all of the guys who have never used a makeup roller, can you show me that oh, on, oh, on one more roller. time? Yeah. So this is on Amazon. You can get them anywhere. So it's a 10 mil roller. Oh. And how it works is you just pop the top like that. And then you add, so in this particular roller, this is technically a, this is my mental focus roller. So it has frankincense, wild orange, peppermint, and rosemary in it. So I, it's like 10 drops, five to 10 drops of each. I top it off with a coconut oil or grapeseed oil, whatever people want. And then you just cap it back on, you mix it up like this, and then it's ready to go. And so I I have so many recipes. I like rollers because they're very small, very compact. My husband loves roller blends because he keeps them by his office. He keeps them in the car because they're just so easy to apply. And you, you're, they're very targeted because you made them for a very specific reason, right? Sure. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. This is a podcast that I'm going to have to go back and personally listen to. Or I assume that are these recipes in your book? Oh, yeah. So they're okay. in the Smart Moms guy. I know guys are like, what? Smart Moms? I'm not even a mama. I'm just going to make it clear. I'm not a mom. When I wrote the book, I really wrote it for families of women, men, people who are just looking for a non-toxic solution to what was happening in their home. Cleaning cabinet, personal care, mood, name it, all those types of things. Like you said, with tea tree oil, disinfecting. You know, I always think about tea tree oil or melaleuca as like the guy's oil because it deals with things like jock itch and funguses and acne. Not that guys only have those issues, but I tend to think about guys having those issues and cuts and scrapes and ingrown hairs. I mean, that's what I love about tea tree is it really is like the, you know, like a jack of all trades when it comes to everyday kind of skin stuff or everyday issues around that. Okay. So, that yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I had one other question for you. This I'd never seen an electric diffuser like that. I have this little, and I've never been able to figure out how to use it, right? But it's, it's just a little, well, it's kind of an old school diffuser where you might light a candle underneath uh-huh. and put a couple drops of water and a couple... Not that you got to do electric or battery powered. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you can you can do with the, the little tea light and a little light and a little oils. But as I mentioned earlier, is that they're aromatic. So these beautiful chemical constituents will burn up, will burn up entirely. And so it'll smell good. But if you're looking for the immune boosting properties or the focus and concentration properties or the calming properties, you've got to use a cold air diffuser. So, and that's what these are. And they're so, oh my gosh, Amazon, they're like $10, $15. And they're so inexpensive. And really how it works, not that I'm doing like full on demos today, but how it works is it just has water in here and it's sonicates, kind of like when you brush your teeth. It just basically shakes the oils up enough that they vaporize in with the water and they go into the into the air. And what's so cool about it is that they suspend in air 
And what that means is that they'll actually topically absorb into the skin as well. So what a lot of moms do or parents do is if they've got like a crabby 15 year old or like a child who doesn't want to study or someone who's having a meltdown, they'll start diffusing oils in the room or in the kitchen kind of unbeknownst to the like the child. I mean, younger kids love the oils and love diffusers. Older kids, you know, they're trying to do their own thing. So I have parents who like sneak diffusers like underneath the beds. They sneak them around wow. like they just because they have such a profound effect on the kids without the kids even knowing that they're going in the room. So sure. It's a technique. That makes a lot of sense. And as adults, obviously it can work on kids like that, but as adults, you can train your your brain literally links that sense with a certain mood or mindset before I uh, will sit to meditate. I will burn a little either sage or an incense or a palo santo. Mm-hmm. Palo santo, yeah. Palo santo is, is uh-huh. uh, the, the English yeah. word. Um, yeah, and so you can just burn a little bit of that, but then it, it triggers your mind, and we should be taking advantage of all of the senses, just, just as if I tend to wake up and be more productive as soon as that coffee hits my lips, and I know the caffeine doesn't get into your body for at least 30 minutes. So, you know, until you've consumed that, but as soon as you taste it or as soon as you smell it, it has that trigger for you. So totally. uh, yeah, I, I love it. That's, that's really interesting. How did you get into this? I, you know, I was, I was chronically sick. So even though I was a practitioner, I was in practice, we had a family-based practice, but since I was a little girl or since I was a teenager, I was sick a lot, like colds and flus, strep throat, that kind of thing. But it's annoying to be sick. And I was sick anywhere between five to seven times a year. And when I was in practice, I, that means I was missing work. I was missing patients. I was missing the ability to take care of patients. And so I had a friend of mine about almost seven years ago who came to me and she was like, I am so sick and tired of you being sick and tired all the time. So she had this oil blend for me. It was an immune system blend. And she's like, listen, this blend, it maybe it's going to work. Maybe it's going to be a tool that you need. Because I was doing tinctures. I was doing all the supplements. I was doing all the vitamin C. I was, I was doing my best. I was meditating. I was doing yoga. I was eating well. I mean, I really was doing a lot of the, the work and I still, it didn't matter. I had three-year-old would stumble into the office and would hand over. I just, I would just receive whatever they had. And usually it came in a flu. And so she gave me this oil, this immunity blend. And let me tell you, at the time I did, I also didn't know how to really use oils. I was putting it in my tea. I was drinking it in my water. I was putting it on my throat. I was gargling it. I was diffusing it. But and I didn't need to use that much of that oil. But it was only, it was three and a half years later that I finally got sick for the first time. I got a, a little cold and it was a week before my wedding. And I've been only sick maybe three times in the last seven years compared to three to five times per year. So it changed everything for me. I don't get sick anymore. And I like that. Okay. And what what were the essential oils that you said that you use for, for immunity? Yeah. So the oils in that particular blend, it's a proprietary blend, but I'll tell you what the oils are. So eucalyptus, rosemary, wild orange, clove, and cinnamon. And if you go and do your research on these oils, you will find that they are all phenomenal at dealing with environmental threats. So germs. And the cool thing about that blend, a lot of these oils, they have the ability to really combat what's going on inside of the body. 
Um, and that's really, really interesting research being done right now with essential oils. A lot of microbiologists and virology majors or biology scientists and immunologists are looking at the benefits of essential oils on germs inside of the body and what they're doing. And so there's a lot of research into that as well that's going on. Okay. So if somebody came to you, I, I'm curious if someone came to you and said, I'm looking to boost my immunity and yes. it is going to come time where actually everybody should be interested in boosting their immunity this time of year. So what would you tell them, uh, of course, in addition to the essential oils, but give them a, give the listeners a rundown of everything that you would suggest to them? Absolutely. The thing of it is, is that once the viruses start moving and that's more, that's the thing, right? It's a viral issue that we're it's either the rhinovirus or it's a flu virus, whatever that may be going on. And that's, that's usually when we're not feeling 100%, right? And so when I think about viruses, I think about us getting on planes and traveling or going to the grocery store or wherever we are. It's not so much that we're, we're going to be able to avoid exposure because I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that's an impossibility in today's world, right? And sure. so it's really... It's about boosting the immune system. So making sure that you're taking your vitamins, making sure that you're reducing your stress levels, making sure that you're diffusing your oils in the house, especially citrus oils. They're great for purifying. They're great for keeping the immune system up and they smell amazing. Um, making sure that you are eating all the right foods. So lots of green leafy vegetables. You're taking care of your gut. So fermented foods, healthy fats. Those are all really important as well making sure that you're taking a ton more vitamin C than normal, just kind of boost that. Plus, let's be honest, none of us take enough vitamin C to begin with. So I would say, you know, looking at 5,000, I'd say, I would say in the wintertime or the fall and winter, I'm usually recommending anywhere between two to 5,000 units of vitamin C, wow. which is a lot more than, but I'm telling you. So like your two body, to five grams of, of vitamin C, 2,000 to mm -hmm. five. 2,000 to 5,000. 1,000 yeah. milligrams. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I also, and then use your oils. I, I think having oils, like when I travel, I was just on a plane to Austin. We'll be on a plane to Las Vegas in a couple of weeks. And this time of the year, who knows what is on that plane. So sure. we always have our oils with us. We've got oils to put, you know, kind of to breathe in. We've got respiratory blood. Like I love having eucalyptus and peppermint on me when we're flying. Um, just kind of, I'm not, I'm not a fan of necessarily being germ free. You know, I've got some great friends who, who can really attest to the importance of bugs. I'm not talking about creating a majorly sterile environment, but, you know, wash your hands after you go to the bathroom, those kind of things. Sure. And yeah, making sure that you have your oils on hand. But I think that's that's really the ticket is keeping is keeping your immune system working properly. So figuring out ways to mitigate stress and and feeding your body good foods, I think oils can definitely be a part of that regimen. Okay, can we, can we talk a little bit about the hygiene hypothesis and how people yeah. think that we should just be taking huge amounts of Purell and just bathing in it at all times? First of all. I already mentioned that alcohol is not going to be good for your skin, but also we can't live, we can't possibly live in a sterile little world with our, you know, masks on away from all of the germs and that our body actually, if we get the right germs inside, we'll actually build immunity that way. Could, could you talk about this, this hygiene hypothesis a little bit? Yeah, I mean, let's talk more about the, the kind of our, our biome, right? Our microbiome. We've got a microbiome on our skin. We've got it in our mouth. We've got it anyway. You know, we've got it clearly our gut. 
right? That's really the most connected we can become to the outside external world is either within our gut or within our skin. And we do, we know that a lot of bacterium and a lot of microbes are the reason why we're able to digest food, the reason why we're able to keep up our immunity, how we can even transcribe genetic material. You know, we think about our mitochondria, which is just a symbiotic relationship of a little bacteria inside of our cells. And so we've come a long way with the evolution of with bacteria, which in a lot of ways are our friends. So I do believe in a sterile world. I have a good friend of mine, Dr. Maya Klein, and she has written a book called Eat Dirt and what it looks like to be have, you know, be one in nature and why that is such a benefit, especially for our children who are growing up with all kinds of crazy allergens and because we're creating this in, sterile environment for them when they really need to be exposed to these, you know, these microbes that are not only proliferating in our life, but also are very synergistic with how our bodies function. So I do have an issue with this sterile environment. One, it's it's literally impossible. You know, I was a biochemist for many years prior to becoming a practitioner. And what I learned, I mean, you just, it's inescapable. Germs are everywhere. You know, you think you're doing your due diligence by using all of these, you know, this Perel and it just isn't. One, you're not winning that battle. And two, it, it's those chemicals aren't doing us any good as well. I think that anytime we put synthetic chemicals in our bodies, our bodies are really trying to work that out more than they're trying to work out good, happy bugs inside of our gut. Sure, I, I completely agree. And then on a macro level, we're making ourselves not be able to actually fight. By eradicating all germs, then our bodies become very open to attack. And that means we just have to stay in our sterile little environment. And you know, it's the same thing with antibiotics. If we're taking antibiotics every time we cough, well, then when we actually need the antibiotics, our bodies become resistant to them. And, and that's a whole nother rabbit hole is the resistance to antibiotics on a huge, on a macro level, because there are all of these strains of bacteria that are becoming resistant to antibiotics in general, because we've just been overprescribed. To, uh, yeah, would, would you agree with that? I absolutely would agree with that. I think we've been over, I mean, we, we're over medicated in general, but you know, a lot of us aren't as, as well educated as we should be when it comes to what's going on when we're sick. There really isn't a lot of instances where we need antibiotics, you know, that cough or that cold, it's you know, antibiotics isn't going to solve that problem. And so you really have to be very specific and focused about why you're using that, have a very definitive diagnosis, make sure that you're getting a second opinion on that that it makes a lot of sense to, to have an antibiotic and realizing the repercussions that antibiotics have on our body as well, on our gut, on our ability to function. I mean, you know, if I can avoid an antibiotic, I always will because I know that it's going to take many, many months, maybe even years to recover from the damage of what those antibiotics do. And there are definitely cases, you know, more cases than some may believe that we, we do need them, but they really should only be used for those particular cases. Sure. I, I don't want to have my body be resistant to the anti, because I grew up with the Z-Packs and all that stuff. My, you know, my mom didn't know any better and then the doctors didn't know any better either, but I want those antibiotics to work if I come down with some terrible infection in the jungle of Costa Rica or something like that. So uh, anyway, kind of a, a little bit of a rabbit hole, but you mentioned, so you mentioned immunity, what people can do to get themselves ready for winter. How about mood? The time just mm -hmm. changed. 
it's getting darker. I'm trying to get my body back on that clock. So waking up an hour earlier so I can take advantage of the daylight as much as possible. But what would you tell people who are looking to boost their mood and beat seasonal affective Seasonal affective disorder, right? That's yeah, what it's called, right? Affective disorder. Affective, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a good question. I mean, clearly there are there are lamps you can buy for seasonal affective disorder that can really be helpful. And those are I find a lot of people get really great use out of that. But if you find during this time of the year you just feel a little bit more sad, especially during the holidays, some you may have lost a loved one, or you may be going through something pretty traumatic, or maybe at once upon a time you had, it just conjures up a lot of memories. We always think about this time of the year being so cheery and, and, you know, having a lot of great, exciting feelings, but people have lost loved ones or they've gone through divorces or, you know, maybe they don't have anyone in their life that's really kind of cheering them on. And so I think we have to be mindful that that could be happening. I do love essential oils for mood support. Probably one of the biggest and most profound ways that I have found essential oils to work is through emotional well-being. I have a good friend of mine who is a, she's a brain specialist and she always talks about how you can literally choose your mood when it comes to oil. So if you want to choose to be happy, you're grabbing things that have monoterpenes in them, such as citrus oils. Citrus oils are like liquid sunshine, wild orange, tangerine, mandarin, any of those oils because of the monoterpene content and limonene content are literally going to just boost that mood. They have a profound effect on serotonin and dopamine. Other oils that I love are mints and even, um, and even herbs like rosemary and basil, marjoram. Those are great boosters as well. And so really just figuring out, you know, whatever oil kind of that you resonate with for me, it's oftentimes citruses. There's so many great benefits to citrus oils, antioxidant support, immune system support, and mood boosting support. So I would just have your favorite citrus oil on hand throughout the day that you can just breathe it in. And, you know, I always recommend to having a gratitude journal, writing down the things that you love. You know, it's really hard to be in a bad state of being when you're so grateful for all the things that you do have. You know, grateful that we, we do have sun. The sun's still happening, right? Grateful sure. for a lot of the things that we've got going on in life. And so I think when we get into the mode of gratitude, and we are able to pair that with some powerful chemistry that we have, we can set ourselves up for success. Okay, excellent. And uh, yeah, it got me thinking about the holiday cheer. And sure, it's it's fun to go and spend time with your friends and family. But when you overdo it on the sugar and the booze, the two things that come out around the holiday, of course, that's going to affect your seasonal affective disorder. So yeah, I can't help uh, echo that enough. And I'm I'm curious that you said mitoterpene? Oh, mono, monoterpene. Monoterpenes. Okay. I'm yeah. not going to quiz you on that because that sounds like, yeah, I'm going to have to look that up. But I did want to ask you actually about adaptogens. And you mm-hmm. hear this is kind of, I try to dispel, not or not dispel, help define the words that you hear that are becoming buzzy and almost you see the packaging and it's it's they're basically marketing buzzwords that did have a scientific definition behind them but they get thrown a lot around a lot and people I start to raise an eyebrow when you hear them a little bit too much and so you see these adaptogenic herbs for example or CBD is another adaptogen and it just seems like some, somehow they magically, it magically knows what your body needs and reacts 
to that, but I don't understand the science behind it. Could you, could you maybe sure. tell us a little bit more about adaptogens and what to look for on a package and, and stuff like that? You know, really, so the type of adaptogens that I'm thinking about, so I think about a hormone type of adaptogen. So I think about the HPA axis, which is known as the hypothalamic pituitary axis. And it's the relationship between the environment and how your body responds. So for instance, if there was a strange man behind me, my HPA axis would go into high alert and it would upregulate. It would send a message to the adrenals that says, hey, stranger danger. Something ain't right. That man looks suspicious. And unfortunately, as a woman, those are the types of things we're always thinking about. Like, is this guy stranger, creepy? I don't know what's going on. What do I have to do? So this is oftentimes in my world. So when that happens and what can happen over time, I call it kind of the and I know I work with women more than I work with men and men, men maybe could be clutching pearls, too. But so often, you know, that's an appropriate response for the body. Hey, that's a grizzly bear. That is a dangerous man. I need to go fight or flight. Either I'm, I'm about to take this person on, I'm about to grab my keys like my grandma taught me between my fingers, you know, <laughs> or I got to get out of here. Like I got to run. And so that is literally adrenaline, norepinephrine, cortisol kicks in a couple of minutes later. That is when we are, we need to kind of in, go into survival mode, right? That's an autonomic response called the autonomic nervous system. It's the sympathetic nervous system kicking into high gear creating, you know, all that glycogen storage you've got in your muscles, your heartbeat, I mean, name it, you're ready to fly. So what happens though, is that your brain, that's kind of the oldest part of the brain, the HPA axis, that part of the brain doesn't necessarily know when you are running late for a meeting versus that stranger over there. It's, it's a very old part of the brain. It's the oldest part of the brain. And so we oftentimes have what I call these clutch the pearls moments where we, we think we're running around. We think we left the kettle on or, you know, we get a text message from somebody that kind of throws us off and just clutch the pearls, clutch the pearls, clutch the pearls. Well, what happens is you deregulate that part of the brain. So when we talk about adrenal burnout or we talk about chronic stress, really what it is, it's chronic deregulation of the HPA axis. And what happens is you can actually use essential oils or, and that's what we're talking adaptive. So they're able to actually modulate the deregulation of that particular feedback loop. So that's what I mean in particular. So like ashwagandha, rhodiola, black cohosh, those are also adaptogens for the HPA axis. They can actually help to kind of calm down. So down-regulate the HPA axis. So it's not over-firing and creating chronic stress in the body, which can then lead, as you know, to many other implications, lowered immune system, hormone issues, gut problems, insulin deregulation, thyroid issues. I mean, it all just kind of spirals out of control. So for me, when I'm working with women or people in general, men and women, how do we begin to create a more of an adaptive experience inside of the brain when it comes to that access? And so I would be using herbs like rhodiola or ashwagandha. And then I would also be using oils like clary sage, alang-alang, lavender, because the chemical constituents of florals, which are, they have a phenol or a, there's a very specific or ketones those particular chemical constituents are adaptive for regulating the HPA axis. And that is what I'm talking about when I say that. Okay, excellent. Well, I appreciate you being able to break down the HPA axis into clutch the pearls. I mean, that that <laughs> makes it very relatable. So, so thank you for that. So I, I also wanted to ask you actually about another book that you had that you've authored and sure. it's on water. 
And uh, I can see, again, our, our YouTubers can see our LaCroix. I think that that was. That was a LaCroix, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's that's water. Uh, you know, it's natural spring water with a little flavoring in it, but natural. Uh, it's a good water to. It's a good water. Yeah, their flavoring is essential oils. So, oh, yeah. okay. Who knew? Yeah. Well, I guess I guess you would. If anybody would know, it would be it would be you. So, Marissa, I want to I want to tell you real quick. I've turned into a water nerd over the last year or two, and I've become obsessive. So, anybody who's hearing this is going to think I'm a little bit out there, but I want to put in the best water that I possibly can into my body and on my body. So. I'm going to tell you real quick in, I don't know, 30 seconds, what I do when it comes to my water consumption. And then I would love to hear what's in your book about how you infuse the water. So I try to drink mineral water as much as I possibly can. I try not to get it in plastic. I'm not drinking from the tap anymore. There's just you know, the chlorine and the and the fluoride that you hear about being in our city waters. So you can I smell it. Yeah. You, and water. you can taste it. And once you convert just to the mineral water, the spring water, you absolutely know it. So I have a routine where twice a week I, I live near a food co-op in, in Austin and I have these big jug, this big glass jug of spring water. And I take it and it's probably a half a mile walk over to the food co-op and you trade in your glass bottle and they fill it up for you with the actual spring water. And then I have to carry this massive thing back a half a mile. So it counts as a, a good workout for the day. I've got a charcoal filter on my shower head. So I'm not, you know, bathing in that stuff, putting it into into my skin. But I'm really, really careful about even, you know, I'll, I'll remineralize a bit with trace minerals. I'll occasionally do a, a pinch of Himalayan sea salt in there if I feel a little bit dehydrated. But you've written a whole book on water. So I'm curious, that's the quick and dirty of what I do and how careful that I am, and I, I bring it everywhere. I have usually podcasts or listeners probably know, they've probably seen I have a massive half-gallon water bottle, but I'm very careful about putting the best type of water or structured water like you might actually get from inside the vegetables, which is probably one of the reasons why juicing is so good for you. Anyway, tell me a little bit more about your tips and techniques on how to consume the best possible water. Absolutely. Well, I do have water filtration system in my home, including our showers. But let's talk about the, we can talk about the book for sure. What I learned, what was really interesting, I had no idea that about a 70% of adults here are chronically dehydrated. And that was a big takeaway for me. I was like, what? And, you know, water is, we are made up of 65% water, give or take, except for with the brain, it's up to 73% water. Brain is mostly just water, really. My God. Conducting those neuro, you know, that neural pathways, talking, you know, those cells are talking to one another and we need a lot of water to propagate those messages. So I was really fascinated to learn that. So I was trying to think about, and people always tell me all the time how much they don't like water. And I just want to say, you're an adult. Get over it. Like, (laughs) I don't know what else to say to that. I'm like, I've got nothing for you. Do the right thing for your health and drink more water. Um, And so, yeah, sometimes I drink LaCroix because they're a little bit more dressy. But we actually have like a little soda maker as well in the house because I do love sparkling waters. But the real purpose of the water infusion, so it's 
all these amazing water infusion recipes. Some of them are for detoxification. Some of them are for energy. Some of them are for seasonal. So if you wanted to make like a holiday water infusion with like cinnamon and apples and immune system water infusion, we've got all these fun water infusions. But really, it was just a way to not only get those antioxidants, all those phytonutrients and vitamins and minerals that come from plant sources, like herbs and vegetables and fruits, but also it was a way to just get more water into your diet. And so I spent six months making all kinds of water infusions, ices, we made little ice cubes and we did everything just to kind of make it more festive and more fun so that people, we were just encouraging people to drink more water. Yes, that next level is to make sure that you've got pure water, right? That you've got a pure water filter, you've got a system, yeah, no, you know, Brita is not doing the job. So you got to step up and get maybe get something a little bit better than that. Now, I have a lot of friends who are water experts. I mean, literally environmental toxin experts. I wouldn't say that I'm one of those. I kind of stick with my niche, but I know enough. I know more than enough to be dangerous. I do know that you should have a filtration system um, and that you should, you should have fun with it. So if you love strawberries or cherries or oranges or, or lavender sprigs or cinnamon, whatever you love, you can really play with this. And, and that's really what the infusions were all about was how to dress up your water so that you drink more water because y'all are dehydrated. Excellent. So, Excellent. Yeah. And that the tap water, the chlorine in there is not, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's dehydrating. <laughs> Yeah, and it kills your gut bacteria, which we talked yes, about does. before. Could you talk about, I love, I like your sad face about killing the gut bacteria. Can you talk about too much water and how someone might know, uh-oh, I might be, this is a small percentage, but I'm okay. the type of person who will get obsessed with something if the podcaster listeners don't already know that about me. And then I'll realize I'm drinking too much water, for example. Yes. So how does somebody know? Because you can just, Pee out all your yeah. nutrients. Absolutely. So you talked about mineralization, right? Mineral having mineralized water. So if you don't have a good enough a mineral, that's why people do do Himalayan salt. You know, a little bit of Himalayan salt allows the cells to uptake water because we've got ion channels. Your cells are regulated. Your the biggest job of your cells, one of the biggest job of your cells, is to regulate water content within those little universes, right? And, if, and what can happen is if you don't have the right mineral content, you think that you're continuing to feel dehydrated. And really you are because you're not getting the water into the system. And ultimately what happens is those cells plump up really big. And that's when we can go into kind of a toxic mode where you drink too much water. And where this really happens is usually during really intense, like ultra marathons is where we see it. Or when it's super, super hot outside, people like guys, maybe in Texas, I was just in Texas. And, you know, in te you've got the guys playing on the field in August and it's so hot and they're just consuming water after water and they're not replacing that vital nutrients, those ions, then that's where we can get into the danger zone. It is really rare. And don't think that you're the one that that's going to happen to people listening to this. It's most likely that you're dehydrated, <laughs> but in that you're not, you're not in fear of falling into this category. I don't want to just be like, oh, well, she said, you know, I could potentially get water poisoning. That's not what I'm saying. But it can, it can happen. There are rare occasions where it really is a, it's an issue of not having the right minerals in that water so that your body is responding accordingly. Okay, great. Yeah, I had a, a reverse osmosis filter. Yeah. And that's very important to remineralize because that strips out everything out of your water. I mean, you're yes. you're actually drinking 
processed water at that point. So you do need to remineralize. And just in case anybody thinks, oh, I'm on the hot, out in the hot Texas sun and maybe I should be drinking Gatorade or vitamin water like 50 cents. I, uh, 50 cent, I see you shaking your head. Can you just make sure they're not doing that for me? No. You know, I, we didn't get to talk about the sugar demon. <laughs> go, go for it. Let it, let it rip. <laughs> I am not a fan of sugar. And it's like orange juice with for immunity. Everyone thinks when someone gets sick, they need to drink orange juice. But sugar decreases your immune system. Sugar really destroys everything, right? When we think about type 3 diabetes is really Alzheimer's. And it's just the accumulation of too much sugar in the body. We Our sugar wrecks our brain. It wrecks our, our gut. It wrecks our cardiovascular system, our hormones. I mean, it really, I was looking at a quote from Dr. Mark Hyman today. He was a good friend of mine. And he said, sugar of all forms is just not good for the body. And I do, I, I occasionally love low glycemic um, so I wrote a book on the low glycemic foods. I do love low glycemic fruits, but I think really when it comes to sugar, even fructose, you just want to be in moderation. So when you're drinking, you're sucking down those drinks like Gatorade or vitamin water or whatever's on the market. You know, very often it's high fructose corn syrup. The second ingredient is sugar. So you really, you're, you're not necessarily doing your body any good. Really what you just need is water and making sure that it's mineralized. Maybe put a little bit of salt in there to make sure that it's mineralized. Um, and that's really all that you need for hydration. Same thing for the immune system. You know, when we're sick, we get dehydrated, we get we get hot, we get maybe even feverish. Again, your body isn't saying, man, you know what would fix this problem is some high fructose corn syrup. Said your body never. And so again, a lot of water, a lot of soups, you know, again, soups have minerals and salts and, and potassium and all those important uh, minerals and ions that we need so that we're functioning properly. So just wanted to lay the smack down on those nasty drinks. I was actually, I was working out at the, the hotel in Austin and I was filling up my glass water bottle and I wasn't paying attention because all over the hotel, they had all these water infusions, you know, really pretty. And so I just, I didn't look, I went into the gym, and I started filling up my water bottle and I looked down and it says Gatorade on it. And it, I was like, why is this even in here? And so I had to go dump my whole water, find somewhere else where there was water, real water, and refill it. And I was like, oh, I'm, tricked me. I'm sorry that that happened. And, and while we're on the topic... You mentioned orange juice and so many people, you know, I've got a, a random green juice and there's so, content on there. So we <laughs> have, kidding. no, I, I will, I will be completely transparent with everybody. So we're talking 15 ounces and it has more sugar than I would like. It has 12 total sugars. It says zero grams of added sugar, but there must be some type of fruit. It's going to be here. apple in there, I bet. And I, I really always look for something without the apple or the pineapple. And I'll just read it off. You know, I'm really careful. So I don't know what it is, actually. Uh, celery, cucumber, spinach, romaine, kale, lime, maybe? Maybe. And parsley. So I went with it because it's not cut with the apple juice, but that's the trick in these juices, right? It's just to, oh, apples are much cheaper than kale, probably, I assume. And it tastes better for everybody. Love It keeps them coming back. Yeah. It's surprising. Usually an, usually a drink like that, like a, um, like a green juice, I mean, it can be the lettuces. Lime doesn't have a lot of sugar either. Um, usually that's, a, that's under nine grams normally. 
It's really interesting. So I, I drink one very similar and it, it's three grams, but it's broccoli. Okay. It's, it's a hardcore. Sure. <laughs> Everyone's like, you drink broccoli? I'm like, well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. But that's so important. Like, the, oh yes. my God, the green machine. If you ever see that, like in an airport. 25 to 30 grams of sugar in that thing. I've seen, I've seen some of them with 50 50 grams, yep. 50, I think that's the boosted one, which mm-hmm. has, you know, you, whatever kind of crap protein they're I putting mean, in there. just eat a candy bar. Seriously? You know what? Just do it. Forget the juice. Just do the thing. Eat the donut. I'm kidding. I'm not. No, don't eat the donut. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I can't. I could not harp on that any, <laughs> any harder. You've got the low glycemic index book out. And uh, one other, I had one other question for you sure. before before we wrap up and uh, bring everybody home into the big picture. This is a smaller question, but I know that you've co-authored a book on the matcha miracle. And I I tried to drink green tea. I mean, I'm a coffee drinker and I try to get green tea in really honestly, what happens is I have a big cup of coffee or two small ones in the morning and I know that dehydrates me. So, and I, cause I, I can feel that. And so then I really try to get on the water after, but then by then it's noon. I could probably do a green tea at noon, but I'm yes. careful not in the afternoon to have too much caffeine. So sometimes it's hard for me to get the green tea in. My question though, is mm-hmm. I tried, I've tried matcha and it even says start small. And I've tried just to like a end of a teaspoon of it it hurts my stomach and I do not many things hurt my stomach. I don't know why, if it was too concentrated, any ideas? You know what? Honestly, no, I can't, I'm trying to think about what it could be that could be causing stomach issues. You know, it's, it's great. It's supposedly really great for digestive support, great Mm. for the immune system, great for their metabolism. Um, It's great for brain function as well because of the L-cyanine in there. And it's a powerful antioxidant booster but I'm trying to think of the, cause of the catechins that are in there as well. I don't know. I honestly, I don't know what kind of, I just, you know, I don't know if it's the brand. Yeah, maybe like, it's I'm just a, too much of a multiples. powder. No, yeah. I've just, my girlfriend really likes it and she can handle quite a bit and it gets her going. She loves it. But, and it's, I just. Yeah, it's always going to be in powder form because that's what makes it. Okay. That's what makes it matcha. And it, there's a very specific technique for how to make matcha, like how hmm. to make matcha. They grind the leaves and with a very specific you know, it's from Japan and everything in Japan that I find is very ritualistic mm. and matcha has been around for a thousand plus years. And there's a very specific way that you make matcha and you don't make it any other way. It's like going to Italy with wine, you know, or, or like Parmesan cheese, like the real deal. It's a very specific way that they make that. They don't break that recipe. So that's the same kind of concept okay. um, in Japan. So yeah, you're never going to find it out of powder form, but it would be, I know that they're making them in little satchels and they, you know, there's matcha everywhere. So that may be worth trying, trying another way. We love it. It's usually, we make matcha lattes here at the house. And usually that's in the afternoon. I don't do, I do like a half a teaspoon of matcha with unsweetened uh, organic almond milk. And it's just, especially this time of the year, I love coffee. I'm not going to pretend like I don't love right. coffee. As a hormone doctor, a lot of people ask me, what's up with this coffee thing? And I always tell people, you know, coffee isn't caffeine has a profound effect on you if you already have adrenal issues, if you already are dealing with the HPAA issue, the HPA axis issue, if they're already burned out, then you have to be mindful. But a lot of people aren't, you know, a lot of people can just drink coffee. It's not a problem. And so you'd have to decide for yourself, like what is coffee doing to me or for me deciding whether it doesn't serve. 
So that's a whole different debate. It's a whole different conversation. But if indeed, I always tell people, if coffee really irritates you, move over to matcha. It does have a little bit of caffeine, but that caffeine binds to the antioxidants and they're slowly released over four to six hours. So it acts very differently than normal, like a coffee caffeine. Okay, very good. Yeah, I mean, I, I love coffee. Like I mentioned earlier, it's got just that mood. It has that yeah. mood boosting, good polyphenols. Yeah, I could go, I could go on, but... I will let you go here in a second, but I did want to ask you one final question. And we started off by saying that you help people live their best life through plant-based whole food nutrition, essential oils, easy to follow habits, and mood boosting remedies. But if you had to leave people with just one piece of advice to leave with, Big picture, it doesn't have to be an oil. It doesn't have to be a a nutrition thing. Just big picture in general for people who want to live a better life. What would you tell them? I would tell them that they are the CEO of their own health care, that we really have the ability to take back our health. You know, for so many years, we were giving our health over to doctors. We didn't really have a lot of say in what was going on with our bodies. And my big message is that we have a lot more control. We get to decide the fate of what our body tells you. So listen to your body. You know, the unexpected solution to radical self-healing is self-awareness. The more aware we can become to our body, like you listening to your body around dehydration, knowing what your body needs, we can then channel the right people in our life, the right posse, right, of of healthcare professionals to help navigate us through our health journey, but that we really have a lot more power and a lot more decision-making within our capacities. That's always my big mission is that people understand that. Excellent. Well, uh, Dr. Marisa Snyder, thank you for being part of our posse here on the Live Different podcast of experts and healthcare professionals and otherwise awesome people. Where can our community get in touch with you, look up your book, and listen to your podcast? Absolutely. So you guys can find me on Insta at Dr. Marisa. You can find me on my website as well. Lots of great information there. My books are on Amazon, super easy to find or anywhere else that books are sold, but typically Amazon's the place people go. And then I do have a podcast where I share, I I also get the opportunity to share a lot of experts on the Essentially You podcast. Excellent. And Marisa is M-A-R-I-Z-A for anybody out there searching. Thank you. You're You're very welcome. Thank you for being on. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. It's so much fun.